we live in an area here that's, well, it's sort of urban and, and yet it's sort of rural, right? I mean, doesn't take long to get to a cornfield or a bean field or a farmhouse and, and yet it doesn't take long to get to Chili's, right? So nice mix. And, uh, so here's a little story for you that kind of involves a farmer. There was a farmer who went out in his back fields and he found an eagle, baby eagle. This eagle was wounded. And so he brought it home and he took it in to where he keeps the chickens. It was a nice safe area. It was penned in. He knew that it wouldn't get attacked that way. He put a little thing around its leg and sort of tacked that into the ground to make sure that it stayed in one area. And he left it with the chickens. It took a long time for this eagle to heal. And as the eagle was going through its healing process, it was hanging out with the chickens. And so it watched and learned and was even taught how to peck and eat off of the ground, how to strut and walk around in the caged area. This eagle began to act just like a chicken. And so there was another farmer friend that came over one day and they sat there musing at this ridiculous sight of an eagle acting and behaving like a chicken threw some feed in there, watched it peck on the feed and couldn't believe it. He said, when are you going to release that thing? He said, you know, as soon as it's healthy, it doesn't seem like it's ready yet, but in a little bit. So he made a decision. It was a couple weeks later, a month later, he decided it's time to release this bird. So he took the eagle and he took the chain off of its leg and he set it up to set it free. And the bird just hopped back down, walked back in and began to peck and wander like a chicken. And he tried to figure different ways out to get this thing to go. And one day the other farmer friend said, you're going to need to just move it out of there. You're going to have to scare it out. And that's the end of it. So we ended up taking that thing and kind of scaring it and shooing it. And it jumped up onto a fence post. And for the first time, caught a view of that field that it used to live in. And as it looked up and out into the field and there were some eagles up above, all of a sudden it caught a new vision. And then the farmer went at it and screamed one more time. And this bird launched into the air and started to soar and fly for the first time in its life. This eagle had finally started living like an eagle. How often is that just like you and me? In our walk, in our daily life of being a follower of Jesus Christ, we're walking around like a bunch of chickens in a coop trapped when we're actually an eagle ready to soar. What's the difference? Why aren't we launched? Well, quite frankly, we've been hanging around in the wrong spot, in the wrong place with the wrong experiences, and it's going to take something to move us. To get it up and going. Our challenge over this next seven weeks is to say this. How can we grow right? You know, a lot of people try to grow and yet somehow they just end up frustrated. And there's little bits of change. I mean, quite frankly, we can muscle up a little bit of self-discipline and all that. And some changes happen, but yet we plateau and we get frustrated and How can we grow right? I mean, grow in a way where we bust through the plateau. I mean, grow in a way where you look back and say, I've never made it through that before. I've conquered what was the struggle. We're seeing victory for the first time. Time to fly like an eagle. The next seven weeks here, we're going to learn from Scripture 
how to grow right. Today, we're going to start with the overall purpose statement. If we don't understand why we're doing it, if we don't want to understand what it's all about, it's going to end up a big exercise in frustration over time. Today, we're looking at purpose to grow right. From Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. You know, we're going to have the ushers come forward. They've got some Bibles in their hands. So uh, if you need a Bible, just raise your hands and they'll get one to you. We're going to walk through Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. What should our purpose be? Here's the, here's the frank answer. The purpose for growing, it's way more broad than just about growing. The purpose for growing, it's like the purpose for all of life. That's what we're looking at today. What is our purpose in life and living? You know, when we sit down and do some biblical counseling and we're wrestling with somebody on a, on a hurt and a pain, this is one of the first things we need to sit down and talk about. What's it look like? What's it all about? What's the big picture purpose? Okay. So we've got our vision. We know where we're headed, right? We're headed for some growth. We're headed for some change. Today's purpose time. Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Let me just read the verses. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. This is the beginning of the book of Revelation. This is the start to a book that is talking about the close to all that's been going on in Scripture and what the plan is. And he gets us a good picture of who God is and who we are and what it's all supposed to be about, okay? So we're just going to walk through this. It's going to be a little different than we normally do. Usually we'll just take it phrase by phrase, verse by verse, sequentially through. What we're going to do this time is we're going to kind of go on a little gleaning exercise. You know what I mean by gleaning? Like you're walking through the fields and you're picking what you need, okay? So we're going to get a plan, we're going to get a purpose, and then we're going to try to walk through and look for that. And then we're going to go back to point number two and walk through it again and look for that. And then point number three and walk through and look for that, okay? That's how we're going to go through today. So the first thing we're looking for, point number one, who is God? None greater. Who is God? That's the question. The answer, there is none greater. So let's walk through this and see what it says about who God is. Okay. John starts out, he says he's writing to the seven churches. And then right after that in verse four, he says, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come him who is and who was and who is to come so picture it like he is and he was and he is to come it's like all of it is encompassed i'm talking the present and the past and the future always there we are talking from eternity past to eternity future 
he exists. That's where God starts. You need to know, never ever had a starting point. Never ever will have an ending point. Welcome to who I am. Okay, that's the starting point with God. He is and he was and he is to come. A name that he took for himself, a personal name that reflects that, the I am. I depend on no one for my existence. I have complete eternity as my past, present, and future. That's who I am. I exist. Okay? Our God. The greatness of him starts with his eternity. It goes one step further though, right? He says, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, he is forever being worshipped. He is forever being lifted up. He has before him these spirits that are saying, you're amazing. You are awesome. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You alone rule this world, this universe. You alone deserve to be worshipped. He is worshipped. Mind that. We may not do our job of worshipping him. That doesn't mean that he's not being worshipped. We've missed out on an opportunity. It's happening. Our God, who exists from eternity past to eternity future, is being worshipped. Now it says right after that, and from Jesus Christ, we now have the name, okay? It's not just Jesus. You know, that was like this common name. It's like Joe today, okay? It's like Jesus, right? That was a typical name for a typical guy living in that time. So his name was Jesus. But it was more than that. Christos. Christ, the Messiah, the one who is spoken of in the Old Testament, the one who is hoped for in the New Testament, the one who is unbelievably revealed in the book of Revelation, Jesus Christ, him ruling and reigning for all eternity. We're told more about Christ. You know, in Colossians 1, it says that he's the one who actually spoke the world into existence. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. Jesus responsible for your creation and mine speaking us into existence and being a part of this world and sustaining it but he did more than that he didn't just bring us into existence he didn't just watch over it while we exist he ended up in the midst of a separation from us being willing to sacrifice his very self jesus christ Coming to this earth, becoming a man, living a life where he completely was mistreated. And in the midst of that, making a replacement payment for you and for me. Jesus Christ. That's an amazing moment where he's talking about who God is. And he puts Jesus Christ right there. Don't let anybody tell you that Jesus isn't God. This is an amazing moment of revealing of how important he is. In our lives. It says right after it. The faithful witness. The faithful witness. Well what was he witnessing? I think it kind of goes two ways on this. Okay. First of all he's testifying to who God is. As he brings that revelation to us. Let me explain to you the character of who the almighty is. And then he lives his life. And we get to see his character lived out. And he's testifying and witnessing to who the greatness of God is. And he's faithful to it. Meaning never ever ever misses what he's supposed to be doing ever ever that's a lot but on the other side it's more than just witnessing to who god is he's also 
He's advocating for you and for me. If we trust in him as our savior, he stands beside us. He's a witness to who we are and that we're trusting in him. He's faithful to you and me and he's representing us to the almighty God and saying, I know this one. This one is ours. I'm loving this one. I'm with this one relationally. They're with us. The faithful witness, Jesus Christ, coming alongside of you and me, representing both directions. We have a chance to know the Almighty God in a very personal way. You know, we don't get there through works. We're going to talk about it in just a little bit. How do we get there? It's not through trying really hard. It's not through, you know, trying to hang out with the right people. There's a bunch of things that people have as a plan on maybe how to try to get that barrier broken down, but there's one way to break the barrier. We're going to talk about it in just a minute. He says right after it, not just faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead. Firstborn of the dead. He's getting metaphorical here. Firstborn of the, does this mean Jesus is the first one to die? Firstborn of the dead? Or, or maybe it means he's the first one to rise from the dead. Uh, no, no. Okay, that's not what it means. There were people who had been born before him. There were people who had been raised from the dead actually before him. He actually raised a couple of them from the dead, right? So firstborn of the dead, this word means preeminent. It it means most important. It it means the, the heir to the throne of. It means he has conquered death. It means he is bringing life. He is the firstborn of the dead. It means we can lean upon him and trust in him and know that he has authority even over death. And it brings life. Jesus Christ, our almighty savior, the firstborn of the dead, says, and the ruler of all kings on earth. You know, it's not like he's some guy hanging out in heaven and he's got his domain and he's like, you know, he's like the chief gang member in a gang up there and he's kind of hanging out up there and he sort of rules it and no. He's ruler of all rulers. He is king of all kings. That means there isn't one person leading anywhere ever that isn't under him. Wow. Can you just say wow with me? Like, wow. That's a big deal. This is a God who is ruling over all. All rulers under him. Every single one. Wow. He is God. It goes on into verse 7. If you jump down to verse 7, it says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds. Behold. This is an awesome word. Behold. Have you ever used that word? We don't, right? And we've talked about it before, but I mean, you know, you don't walk in the house and I mean, I've done something, you know, John is gone and I I pick up the house to make it look a little nicer and she walks in, behold, right? (laughs) Maybe I should use that word. The reality is, it's a word that says, check this out. You would not believe this. Watch this. Behold. What are we supposed to behold? He is coming with the clouds. He is coming with the clouds. Now, you know, if you just read this verse and it's all by itself, you're like, great. So there's some guy and, and, and he's coming somewhere. Great. But the reality is, when you look at the whole of Scripture, you see him starting with creating. You see him actually wronged as creation moves away from him. 
You see him patiently waiting upon and moving in the midst of. You see him deciding now is the moment. And he steps in to make a replacement payment in order to win back, to reconcile, to redeem, to restore. You see him actively sustaining, holding together, advocating, providing. He's moving along the way. Right now it says he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. He is our advocate and the one who loves you and me. And now it says more than that. The creation that he started, the creation that he's been watching over, the creation that he waited for, the creation that he paid for, the creation that he's advocating for. Oh, he's returning. Like this is a moment where you can't help but start getting pumped up. It's the climax to the story. It's this moment of unbelievable opportunity in seeing the almighty creator restored completely to his rightful position. Amen? That's what he's talking about. Behold that. This is what's happening. Our God, oh, he's coming again. Our Jesus Christ, let me tell you, there's a plan. He will be coming. He's coming in the clouds. Check it out. Our Lord, he reigns. Our God, he's in charge. Who is God Almighty? That's who he is. The one who takes so much responsibility that he's hanging in there the entire way, working with us the entire way, all the way to the end where he will return. He is coming in the clouds. Well, if he's in the clouds, who's going to see him? Every eye will see him. It says right after it, right? Every eye will see him. This is going to be a big deal return. This isn't one of those little, did he come already? I wonder if he was here today. It's not going to happen. Every eye will see. Notice this. Even those who pierced him. Those who have to take responsibility for what they did the first time he came. He's on his second trip. And it's not going to be the same. The first trip was sacrificial. The second trip, it's to reign. It's to rule. It's to succeed. It says right after it. Those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, bring it on. That's what amen means. Bring it on. Like, this is what he's saying. I want you to know, Philippians chapter 2, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Some of those bowing and confessing will be doing it under great duress. They will not have bowed and confessed, giving over their lives and saying, I'm trusting in you as Lord and Savior. But instead, they're bowing and confessing, saying, I have to bend under your authority. And it hurts. I don't want to give it up. And there's wailing and there's gnashing as they're recognizing who he is and who they aren't. This is a bogus moment for them. (laughs) This is not where we want to be. We want to be in a moment where we can stand up and cheer with all we've got. Here he comes. Here he is. Let's celebrate our almighty God and Savior. Jesus Christ is here. That's where we want to be. We want to be lifting his name up and celebrating. I'm on board with this. Everything so you're serviced. Everything so you're worshipped. May you be lifted up in my life, Lord. May you be lifted up in this world, Lord. I'm on board. That's where we want to be. We need to give our lives to him. Or there can end up being wailing. It says right after it, verse 8 there, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Everything starts with me and it ends with me. That's who I am. It starts and ends right here. 
Are there ever a time where you'd like to say that? You know what I'm saying? Like you're parenting and there's an issue in the home and you're like, it starts and ends right here. You know what I mean? This is a moment where, and we, you know, it sort of does. Like, let's be real. As, as a parent, we have authority in the home, but there's also things we cannot control. When he says it starts and ends right here, he's saying absolute control of the situation, absolute control of what's going on. If there's something coming through, if there's something touching your life, know this. He knows. He's aware. It's more than a known aware. He has worked with and he has allowed it. What is our God doing? When the heat comes, know this. He is working with you. He's right there alongside of you. Look to him. Trust in him. He is the alpha and the omega. It starts and ends with him. What are you doing, God? What do you want done? What do you want done in my life? What do you want done in anything going on around this? You know, we were talking about this this past week, Steve and I were, and the word that comes up for this is heat. One of the things need to grow is heat. Wouldn't it be nice if we grew by being on a beach, sand and sun, and, and that's when we became the most mature. Like, wouldn't that be nice? And so our plan each year is to try to get every body member to whatever, Cancun, right? Somewhere in the Caribbean. We're going to get you there because if you can get two weeks there, you're going to be more mature. No, you'll just be more tan, right? The problem is the way we really grow is turmoil and heat and struggle that makes us look inside and release junk we're holding on to and hand it over to him. Know this. Trust him. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is fully aware he is fully working with just lean upon him that's our god and he says right at the end so says the lord he says i am the alpha and the omega who is and who was and who is to come right like know that i'm eternal know that i'm the start and the end and then at the very end the almighty all power in me absolute power right here everything can be done through me trust me that's who i am the god who can step in and change anything anywhere anytime i am fully in charge welcome to god who is god that's who he is we need to make sure that we grasp him first our proper purpose our proper understanding in life comes from a proper grasp of him if we don't start there we usually get pretty selfish pretty fast. So let's start with God. That's who he is. That's what we need to be blown away with. C.S. Lewis was asked, uh, how would you define worship? This was his answer. True biblical worship so satisfies our total personality that we don't have to shop around for man-made substitutes. William Temple made this clear in his masterful definition of worship. It's amazing. When C.S. Lewis quotes you, you got something right, right? For worship is the submission of all our nature to God. It is the quickening of conscience by his holiness, the nourishment of mind with his truth, the purifying of imagination by his beauty, 
The opening of the heart to his love. The surrender of will to his purpose. And all of this gathered up in adoration. The most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable. Worship. There is absolutely no man-made substitute. Watch out. There's a lot to try. Those are called idols. We have to really be careful that we give our all to the one who is worth getting the all. Our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. My question to you is simply this. How's your worship? How are you doing? How are you doing with your view of God? Is it one of those things where you wake up in the morning and you find yourself trying to say nice things to God? but you're actually not that aware of it? Like it's not this real preeminent position in your mind of that's how awesome you are? Is it one of those where you're trying to conjure up the, but it's not just pouring out? The only reason I ask that is because that's what my wife and I were talking about this morning. We can try to say we want to worship and then we end up kind of faking it. Where we stand up and we try to say, and it's not wrong to start putting words on our lips that we're, we're wrestling through. But know this, as you're wrestling through it, make sure you keep coming back to the word. And make sure you keep looking for truth about them like we just did. We just found a list of seven to ten things, depending on how you want to break it down, of who he is. And then you just state each one as fact. I'm amazed with this about you, God. I'm blown away with this about you, Lord. Thank you for being this. I am awesomely, awesomely moved by this being who you are. And you just go step by step through what you're finding in Scripture about who God is. Be blown away with the God you find in your Bible. Why do we say read the Word? Because you can find the truth of who He is. All of a sudden, you'll start having these really lame, pragmatic definitions of who God is. Who is God? He's the one who provides... Enough money for me to have toast in the morning because I love toast at breakfast. And, and all of a sudden, all our definitions are these things God gets for me, right? Do you see it? And we can quickly turn worship into if it actually affects me positively and happily, then I'm good. Otherwise, I'm not worshiping it. That's an idol. God is who he is. Let's give him all we've got. Let's worship him. How's your worship? Make sure that the thermostat on that is set way high. You want it hot on fire. Worship him with all you've got. Hunt down. If right now you're going, it's not that hot, do me a favor. A good place to start, Gospel of John. Just open it up and start reading, saying, Lord, I just want to see who you are. Each time I see something about you, I'm going to write it down. Something you're doing, something you are, something you're thinking. And each time I write it down, I'm going to make sure that that day I'm saying, thank you for being that, Lord. I'm amazed with who you are. Let's get our worship on fire. That's where it starts. Okay? All right. Number two. That's who God is. So now we're going to walk back through, who am I? The answer from the scripture is his precious chosen loved one. Who am I? His precious chosen loved one. Okay, here we go. Verse 4. It says, John to the seven churches that are in Asia. John to the seven churches that are in Asia. A church. What is that? This Greek word, it means called out once. Called out to do what? Called out for what? It means called out because you trust that he is God. Jesus, I'm believing in you. I'm leaning on you. You have paid the price for me. I'm called out to represent. 
You are my God. Called out one. That's what the church means. Are you part of the called out ones? Have you trusted in Jesus as your savior and leaned upon him? That's where it starts. Who we are, our identity can be found in that. I am one of the called out ones. Next step though, if you jump down there um, to verse five, middle, it says, to him who loves us. Okay, here we go. Here's some of our identity and it's found in how is God treating us? It says, to him who loves us, loves us. You know, that word uh, gets used a lot in our society. It can actually be really misused. You know, we're like, I love brownies. Is that what this means? Like he thinks we're a nice little dessert. Like what, what does the word love mean? We use it in so many ways and it's so watered down, right? What, what, what does it mean? A good way to know is let scripture define scripture. So 1 Corinthians 13 starts at verse 4. I'll just read it for you here. Here's what love is, okay? So that means this is what God is with you. You ready? So this is what God is with you. God is patient. He is kind. He does not envy or boast. He is not arrogant. He has a right understanding of himself. That's what that means. He is not rude. He is not irritable or resentful. He does not rejoice at wrongdoing. He rejoices with the truth. He bears all things. He believes all things. He hopes all things. He endures all things. He will never stop doing it. That is what it means when it says he loves us. That's a big deal. Amen? Like, that's a big deal. This is a lifelong relationship of constant gentleness and drawing us forward to something that's best for us and best for him. That's what it means when it says he loves us. It says to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Okay, here we go. I said we'd get to this, right? Freed us from our sins by his blood. This is what it's talking about. What is your identity? Freed. What is your identity? Used to be enslaved, now not. And some people would say, but as a believer, I think you have all these rules you're trying to live after. That sounds like you're enslaved. You don't know what enslaving is until you've lived under the flesh taking over your life and you have no control of it. We, we want to kid ourselves and say, oh, I have control. Oh, I know what I'm doing. Really? Have you asked any addict if that's where they really started? Watch out. The reality is flesh consumes and it destroys. True freedom is freed by the blood of Jesus Christ to live a life as was originally intended, to worship him, to celebrate him, to have life and relationship with him. That's what it's about. Freed. Used to be enslaved, no longer. I'm freed. That's a big word. How do we get freed by his shed blood? You know, Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us that if we believe that God, that Jesus is God and we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will be saved. It's call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's Lord, please forgive me for walking away. Please use your shed blood to replace what I owe. I'm trusting that blood to replace my penalty that I would owe for all eternity. That's what it takes. 
Have you done that? Have you said, I'm there. I'm handing my life over. And maybe you're like, I don't know if I've done that. I'm not sure if I've got a date. Put a stake in the ground. If you're not sure, today's the day. Now's the time. Let's make absolutely sure you're freed through his shed blood. Right now, you've got a moment to say, Lord, I'm giving you my heart, my life. I'm just going to ask you to do this. Just pray this prayer after me. Let's everybody close our eyes. You could be in a moment where you're like, I'm absolutely, I've already done this. Great. Then this is a thank you, Lord, that you've made this available. And if you haven't done this, this is a moment for you to say, I'm doing it right here and right now. Just pray after me quietly. Lord, I know that I'm not perfect. And the Bible tells me that the penalty is eternal separation from you. Please forgive me. Please use your shed blood to replace what I owe. I want to run after you. I want to turn and follow you. Lord, thank you for freeing me through your shed blood. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, that's the start of growth. I mean, can we talk about grow right and not talk about a salvation message? You've got to be kidding me. Grow right means Lord work in me. It means God empower me through everything you know and everything you're doing. Touch my life. It's got to start there. If that's where you started today, let us know afterwards. Come talk to me. Come up front. We can pray with you and talk to you a little bit. We've got some stuff out in the back you can grab that just says, I've just made a first time decision. Yes. Like grab one of those bags. It'll help you make some, some next steps. Okay. We would love to work with you on this. It has to happen. It's time to go for it. He says that he's freed us. The next thing that he says right after it is that he's made us a kingdom. It doesn't say he's given us a kingdom. It says he's made us a kingdom. You and me, we're a kingdom. You know, like this area, this giant reigning and ruling area that he's over and that he's living within. Meaning he gets to take up residence within you and me and move from within. He's shaping and he's changing and he's transforming you and me. He's reigning and he's ruling and he's living within. You and me, we're the kingdom. His kingdom. And then he says right after it, priests to his God and Father. Priests, meaning we're allowed to enter the very presence of the Holy of Holies and talk with the Almighty God. That's who we are. You have a privilege of chatting with the Almighty God. Sharing where you're at, lamenting or, or crying or praying through, Lord, what do you want me to do? Bringing the pain that you've got to his feet and saying, thank you for letting me enter your presence. We can be a priest, a kingdom, a freed one. We can be his ones that are loved, his children. That's who we are. Our identity is not found in, uh, I w- I'm an engineer, uh, I'm a farmer. Uh, I'm, I'm six foot four. 
I'm not. Right? Like it's, it's not found in who we are. Stature. It's not found in who we are. Job title. It's not found in who we are. How much cash do I have in the bank? It's not found in who we are. How many kids did I have? It's not found in any of that stuff. It's found in who am I in him? Amen? Like that's where we get it. What is my identity? It's who am I in him? It's gotta start there. The purpose overall is look what he's done for us. He's loved us. He's freed us. He is absolutely working in our lives. He's making us a kingdom. He's making us priests. Our God, the one who is the almighty ruler of all, stepping into your life personally and making an impact. That's who he is. My question is, where have you been finding your identity? Have you been striving to find it in your work or in your relationships? or in your money, or your possessions, set it down. It's time to find your identity in him. Lord, what are you doing in my life, and who am I to you? Let's lean on him with everything we have. The third point, what should I be about? So what should I do with all this? What should I be about? Make him famous. What should I be about? Make him famous. You know, we're going to go to one spot right in the middle. You go to verse 6. It says he's made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be, here we go, glory and dominion forever and ever. What should we be about? Glory and dominion forever and ever. Say it with me. Glory and dominion forever and ever. One more time. Glory and dominion forever and ever. That's what we're to be about, okay? Him shown off, him made famous, him lifted up forever and ever. Now that's a plan, okay? That's what we're to be about. Well, what about this pain that I've got going on? What about this problem? What about this broken rib? And what about, what do I do with these things? And to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Whatever's going on, Lord, may you constantly be lifted up. Whatever's happening in my life, may you be celebrated. It is not about my comfort. It's about my king. Amen? That's where we got to be. It is not about my comfort. We walk out and we're like, that's a great t-shirt statement. And then we sit down at Panera and we're like, this soup is not hot enough. Right? Like we have to be so careful. We so quickly revert to it is about me. Is it about you or not? It's time to set it aside. Lord, may you be glorified. And what does dominion mean? In charge. It's Lord, may you be in charge in my life. I'm handing it over to you. It's hurting me. It's stretching me. But I'm giving it to you. To your glory and honor. You have my life. I'm here to make you famous. Okay. 1 Corinthians 10.31, Colossians 3.17. Those are two verses that say, just glorify him in whatever you're doing. It gets as simple as if you're eating or drinking or whatever you're doing. So you can glorify him at Panera. Okay. This isn't a free advertisement for Panera, but Panera's come up a couple times. You can think about God in the midst of your daily life. Whatever you're doing, lift him up. How in the world do I glorify him? That sounds like, like, what does it mean? Okay, six steps to glorifying God. This is something you really might want to write down. Six steps to glorifying God. This is from James Packer. Okay, here we go. Number one, 
Lord, you are wonderful. This phrase, Lord, you are wonderful. This is simply a worship statement. I'm amazed with your character. I'm finding out about you and I'm celebrating who you are. I just found out you're eternal. Wow, you're wonderful. I just found out that you reign over all. Unbelievable. Lord, you are wonderful. We got to have that phrase in our lives daily, regularly, hardcore worship. Number two, thank you, Lord. Uh, not only are you just an awesome guy and an awesome in charge of all God, but you are stepping into my life and making an impact. Thanks. Thanks for what you're doing. Number three, please, Lord. Lord, I'm asking that you be involved in my life. Here's some hurts, some needs, some wants, some struggles. I'm handing it over to you. Dependence. That's what it is. Please, Lord, be dependent upon him. Number four, yes, Lord. This is the, uh, okay, I'm willing to grow. This is a big one. Quite frankly, this is the one we're not so willing to do. One, two, and three, those are pretty easy. Hey, if I see something cool, I'll thank him. I'll tell him about it. Hey, if he's changed something in my life, I'll let him know. And hey, if I can ask him to help me, that's great. I could still be all about me in those three things and lose it. This is where it gets a little tough. Yes, Lord, take over. I need to grow to be more like you. Obedient growth. Number five, take this, Lord. You're handing yourself over to be a servant for him. I'm here to serve you. Hey, just a little side note. You know, last week we collected those cards for, hey, I'm willing to be serving here at the church. Over 200 cards came in of people willing to be serving in various areas. That's a very cool moment for this body as people are wrestling with, give me some more info. I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. Where can I go? How can I plug in? That's a great moment for you guys to be stepping up to saying, take me, Lord. Where do you want me? Awesome moment. Number six, uh, listen up, everybody. This is the, you wouldn't believe what he's done for me. Let me proclaim to you what God is doing in my life. Share who he is on the streets, with friends, with family, wherever you're at. Celebrate him by saying, my God is blowing me away. I'd love to tell you about him. I'd love to have you come to a church service with me. I'm just rocked in the services with the worship. I'd love to have you be hearing. I'd love to have you be seeing. You've got to meet my God. That's number six. Okay? This is an unbelievable list. And I just found it on the internet. Okay? Like, let's be, let's be blunt. I'm not out here creating this. This is James Packer with an awesome quote. I had four different people that led me at this through different things. And it's really kind of cool. Lord, you're wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Please, Lord. Yes, Lord. Take this, Lord. Listen up, everybody. That's glorifying God. Okay? Six steps to glorifying God. How you doing with those? Take a good look at them. How you doing? The yes, Lord, is where we're going to be going over this next six weeks. You know, I'm really excited about it. We've got a, a process we're going to be looking at of how can I change? How can I be transformed? And we're going to, in the middle of that, we're going to, on September 26th, do baptisms. So get ready. We're doing baptism Sunday. If anybody wants to be baptized, get to us, okay? We're going to be doing baptisms. We'd love to have you be a part of it. It's going to be a celebration of life, a celebration of transformation. We're going to be growing right. 
Come join with us. It's going to be an awesome Sunday morning. We're doing it right here. We're putting it back in the same place. We're going to be doing baptisms in here the 26th, okay? Yes, Lord, take my life, transform me. Yes, Lord, I want to be changed. Okay, let's close with this. There was a guy, early 1900s, driving one of those Model A, Model T Fords, whatever it was. Real, real story. He's driving out in the middle of the desert, and, and he hits a tree. There's this tree that's like this big, and there's nothing anywhere. It's desolate. But he plowed into that tree, and somebody took a picture of it, and underneath was the quote of what the guy said. This is what he said. How could you hit that tree? He says, I didn't want to hit it, so I kept staring at it. Okay? Grow right. Do not be looking at what you don't want to be. Be looking at what you do want to be. Do not be looking at where you don't want to go. Be looking at where you do want to go. May we worship him. May we glorify him. May we lift him up. May we let go of self and run hard after him. Get your eyes off the tree in the middle of the desert. It's time to focus on him. Let's go with all we've got. Let's get there. Okay? Let's pray.